0: Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by EventTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with, with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry, to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds and check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Well, hey, everybody. Please join me in welcoming our special guest, Billy Miner from the great state of Kentucky. Billy, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out to be our guest today. i um, so excited to hear a little bit more about your story and kind of share that story with our um, listeners and and also your thoughts about the industry, you know it's been a great industry, you know for for both of us, and we've got to know each other uh, over the last several years being part of a Simon peer group. So I want to talk about that a little bit as well. And you know you just have a very unique story and and uh, experience, and I, I think it's gonna be cool for everyone to hear a little bit more about that. So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Phil, for having me, and thanks for everything you do for. My companies and everybody else around the industry, through you know, grow the branch and uh, Snowfighters Institute, and all the work that you've been doing with Sima, you, you really are a, a huge plus for this industry, and we really appreciate everything you do.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, before we even get into business or personal, um, I want to hear about your military background because I think that's a unique thing. I know there's other folks in the in the industry that have served in the military but um always you know just just appreciate that i never had the opportunity personally to do that in my life um so i'm just i'm just you know first of all thank you for your service but also just want to hear about you know what branch you served in and kind of what your experience was like tell us a little bit about some of the uh things that you got involved in and and um yeah i just want to hear about that
1: yeah so um I'm an Air Force guy. Um, I, I was uh, commissioned in 2003 uh, through the Air Force Academy where I was uh, so lucky and blessed to go to um, because I was running my companies and playing on a, uh, a very high-level soccer team in high school. I didn't have the grades really to get in and actually have a denial letter saying, sorry, you're not smart enough. So I felt very lucky to get in there and go to one of the best uh, colleges out there. But um, I got commissioned in 2003 as a logistics readiness officer. Uh, my background was air transportation, ground transportation and fuels. Uh, I did uh, three tours overseas with uh, multiple stops at other uh, not so friendly locations as well. Uh, I did a year long tour uh, in Afghanistan where essentially I was uh, convoy security or gun trucks operations where My team and I ran across the entire state of Afghanistan without any support, no close air support, no artillery, no quick reaction force. Um, And uh, I personally logged almost 22,000 miles on the roads of Afghanistan in in one single year. Oh, that's insane. It it really was. It really was. But, you know, I feel, once again, so lucky to have the opportunity because. Who else can see that they've seen just about every nook and cranny of Afghanistan? I got to see some of the most beautiful places uh, that the eyes can see. I got to go up to the Salong Tunnel, which is we were the only uh, Americans to go through this tunnel, um, at least up until when, when I was there. And then they shut the mission down after I left. So it's, it's just amazing uh, the aspects of that country that, that some people will never, ever get to see.
0: Yeah. I never think about, you know, a country like that with that's war torn and had so much, uh, you know, uh, bad news associated with it as a a beautiful place that you would want to go and explore. Right. Right. Interesting concept.
1: Well, you know, with everything, it is, it's what you take from it. Right. So you can either see the bad or good, but um, a lot of places were really, really bad, like you'd see on any TV or movie show, but some of them just the, the breathtaking views were uh, second to none.
0: So, what year would that have been when you were in Afghanistan?
1: Uh, that was my second tour there, and it was from 09 uh, to 10. Okay. 2009 to 2010. Okay.
0: And how many years did you serve in the military?
1: Uh, did just short of 10. Okay. I was retired in 2012 uh, due to my inj- injury sustained in uh, during that that tour
0: yeah so I know a little bit about your injury um, but not much and and you know I'll kind of leave it up to you to share what you how much of that you want or are able to share but um, tell us about this how do you injury how, how did you get injured?
1: You know, uh, the old adage is war is hell, and, and I 100% believe in that. There's, there's nothing good about war. Nothing good really comes of war, uh, really just people getting hurt and, and, and families losing loved ones. Um, but sometimes it's necessary, and obviously this, this was one. And um, while we were over there, uh, our convoys experienced, you know, uh, small arms fire, um, IEDs just the, the plane wear and tear of doing 22,000 miles in a 40,000 pound vehicle with no shocks that was meant to withstand a uh, explosion uh, really takes its toll on your body. You know, I had uh, multiple head injuries. Um, they wanted to give me back surgery. I had two knee surgeries, two shoulder surgeries, all from, from that single deployment. So wow. uh, it really took its toll on me uh, physically but I think even more so it took its toll on me uh, mentally. Uh, when I got back, uh, I didn't adapt well. Um, I actually, uh, checked myself into a, uh, a hospital because I didn't want to be a statistic. I never had the, the deep, dark thoughts of, of hurting myself or, or killing myself. Um, but I did have some thoughts that really concerned me and, uh, you know, I, I went through and my team went through a really, really hard year and we, we didn't let the enemy beat us. We didn't beat them by any means. And we probably didn't even really move the needle any, but uh, I sure as heck, when I came back, wasn't going to let the enemy win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I took it upon myself to get some help. Uh, you know, the way I was raised or being in the military, you don't ask for help. Uh, seen as weakness, but uh, probably the, the strongest and the best decision ever made. So.
0: Yeah, so so the injuries were kind of cumulative. Uh, there wasn't like one event um, or one instance that, that you can point to or is more of a cumulative effect of just all that um, all the experiences combined. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I got a uh, medevac once to Germany, and um, another time I had to go go get some uh, other uh, other attention that I needed for my physical uh, injuries. But but all in all, it was really just a cumulative effect of uh, of being over there doing doing uh, the work for for the government that uh, really took its soul on me.
0: Yeah. I mean, the word that just comes to mind is just sacrifice. You sacrificed everything, you know, including your, your physical to, to, you know, for our benefit. So, um, just amazing. And that I would assume those are injuries you're going to be dealing with the rest of your life.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, still have, uh, some nightmares, still have, uh, all, all the physical pains that go along with, um, with, with doing what we did. Um, but you know, I, I, am a lucky one. Um, nothing, nothing incredibly horrible happened to me. And, um, mentally I was able to come up with a plan and get the help that I needed and was able to, to push on.
0: Yeah. Um, it's uh, amazing. And, and again, thank you. But how, how did the, um, how did the business fit into that? It, were you, um, did you get involved in, in your business before you got involved in the military? Did that come in afterward? You mentioned you were kind of doing both for a while or how did that work?
1: Yeah. So, um, I really started back in, uh, probably 94 when I was in middle school, uh, doing yards and doing a little bit of snow, uh, really kind of hit its head in 97. When I bought my own for my first truck and I was employing for five to seven of my guy, my friends that I, that I played soccer with. And then when I went to the Academy in 99, I turned it over to my father and he really grew the business. He um, uh, got out of the, the green industry and really focused on the white. And he opened the uh, IBG Magic of Kentuckiana, which is a one-stop shop for uh, snow removal contractors here in Louisville, Kentucky. So we sell plows, spreaders, bulk salt, bag salt, uh, liquids, and uh, he really got into to the liquid stuff really early. Uh, Thinking about 2007 or 2008, he really uh, got into supplying IBG Magic to and IBG Liquids to a lot of customers. And you know, now we have the DOT for Tennessee, uh, the city of Louisville, the state of Kentucky's taking a look at us. And uh, we really expanded the liquid business and I'm really thankful that, that he was so um, forward thinking to, to get on, to take those risks and to get into that side of the business where we were, the, we were treading a path for everybody around us because you know we're in Louisville, Kentucky and we average about 12 inches of snow a year. And um, in general, I think our industry is pretty antiquated and, and not great to adapt to, to new ideas and uh, he really was uh, on the forefront of, of pushing that stuff and, and getting people to look at uh, snow and ice management in a different way.
0: Is he still involved today?
1: Uh, very little, but yes. Yeah. He's, he's okay. still around. He's still around, especially during <laughs> snow events. He still likes to That's cool. uh, try, try to get into a truck and I, uh, you know, I have to pull him out remind him that he's seven, <laughs> six years old and he shouldn't be up for 24 hours at a time. And Good for him. And, uh, yeah, but he's still going strong. I'm well, very lucky to have a mentor and uh, a great father that yeah. I have in him.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. As you know, I grew up in a family business as well, and it's cool to be able to mix the two. Um, but what, what's his background, and how was he able to kind of step in and take the business by the reins while you were you know, off uh, doing your military service?
1: He he's his background is construction and uh, tenant finish and office buildings. So he had a lot of contacts in downtown Louisville, and that's where he really um, got started. With you know, we manage now uh, just about every single pay for public parking lot, parking garage in downtown Louisville, and uh, through his connections of renovating uh, office buildings and and uh, doing the new construction in downtown Louisville, he he was able to uh, leverage those relationships to the contracts that that really uh, we rely on today
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that's a good segue into your business model so you're, you're involved in some different things so you don't have a tra- traditional I guess uh, uh, business model you know if you sat down and talked to everyone who shows up at Simus Symposium I, I doubt if anybody would have the mix of services or companies that you're that you have so walk us through it what what does the whole Empire look
1: like? And so uh, I I have uh, two uh, property companies where I own multi-family, multi-unit family properties and uh, houses. Um, It was up to about 60 units uh, as of last year and was lucky to time the market when I did and got rid of a bunch of them, but I'm ready to reload on those as soon as the market comes back down. Um, We have the IBG Magic of Kentuckiana, where we're the largest distributor for that liquid that product in the US both I think in uh, territory and in volume Hmm. and then we have uh, the snow operations which uh, we own 13 trucks and you know we got hammered last week and we were running about 50 (laughs) pieces of equipment Uh, and then probably another 10 um, guys on on sidewalk crews so we kind of touch everything in the snow and ice management uh, genre from um, sales down to operations
0: now does your snow operations uh, operate as a separate company
1: it does yes so uh, our, our snow company is minor company mm-hmm. and uh, they said it's it's a complete its own entity and and uh, completely separate
0: so if I'm counting right you you mentioned four companies correct <laughs> nice good for you
1: yeah, yeah. We're, we're also getting into the tiny homes and trying to bring tiny homes to Louisville Okay. And um, trying to do some development in that space, and um, you know, I've got my hands in a couple other. You know, I've owned, I've owned gyms, I've owned a little bit of restaurants. Um, really, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a general entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, for sure. Serial. Yeah. Cereal, there you for go. <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. What inspired you to get in this? Like you said, middle school. Like, what was that? What was that all about?
1: You know, I grew up uh, seeing my dad go out the door every day and coming in real late. And, um, you know, on the weekends, I would go down and, and help him do demolition or just, you know, kind of piddle around at job sites. Uh, my father is probably the hardest working man I've ever met. He, he, he doesn't know the word no or doesn't know the word stop. So that, that hard work and, and dedication to providing for your family and putting in a long day's hard work was never lost on me. So I had a great role model to, to, to look up to and, and try to, to mirror. So just business has always kind of just been second nature to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, what a great role model. Um, a lot of family businesses um, end up employing the whole family. And so um, have you had that experience over the years where you've pulled in like, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and, you know, siblings and stuff? Or has it really been you and your dad?
1: It, it, it's really been just my dad and I, but we take the, the aspect of pretty much anybody that works for us or who we work with is, is family. Uh, we really try to incorporate that loving, caring nature mm-hmm. into our our work, into how we treat people and and how we care for people. So um, in, in the strict regards, no, uh, it's just my father and I. Mm-hmm. But in the broader sense, it's, you know, we're all family. I look at uh, my office administrator as a sister um, and, and, you know, there's the guy, the two or three guys that are really uh, at the top of our organization is brothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, 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 do everything together. Yeah. I love that.
0: That's awesome. I mean, some people, you know, a lot of businesses say that, but a lot of them, you know, probably don't live it out the way you do. And I know, and I know that you do. Um, so I'm to get into the snow world a little bit more specifically. Um, um, uh, so, you know, tell me about, you know, when there's a snow event, like what are your responsibilities? How much do you get involved in it? are you more on the client side? Are you running ops? Are you doing everything? Or how does that look?
1: Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out, Phil, honestly. <laughs> um, you, know, you said, we, I've been going pretty much straight for about six weeks because of the snow and ice that we've been getting down here. And, uh, I'm quickly learning and I, and I knew this, but it really came to fruition this, these last six weeks is I can't do it all. So I'm currently looking for a, uh, you know, a senior manager to really kind of take over the operations for my two shops um, and, and manage those shops uh, when we're open because we're open 24 hours a day when it snows. Hmm. Um, on the operation side, uh, we try to use as much technology as possible uh, to minimize that. So but we still have, uh, I still need to curtail my, my interactions on that side and really just kind of be of a big picture guy. Um, this, these past couple of weeks, I have actually uh, added a driver and the driver is my driver. He's, he's my babysitter. He drives mm-hmm. me around to make sure I don't get into trouble that, you know, that I, that I, uh, if I need to, if I'm short with somebody because I lack of sleep or something like that, he steps in and really helps me out. And it, it's really been a huge asset for us because, I can answer phone calls. I can answer texts. I can I can stay focused on on the general operations instead of getting bogged down with one property or one driver or one customer. Hmm. So um, that that has been a huge change and, and really has been uplifting for us and, and provided great value. And, and next to my office administrator, I'd say he's probably the second most important person in, in the organization because he mm-hmm. he keeps me in line and and uh, keeps me on track and, and doesn't let me get lost.
0: Yeah. I had a client in uh, one of my previous lives who had a driver, and this driver was always parked out in front of his house. This guy was a billionaire, and I took care of his estate. Um, But always at his ready, always at the ready, (laughs) just ready, just sitting there, ready to go, had his coat on, had his hat on, and it was the coolest thing. I'm like, that's, that's that's a great position to be in, to have a driver. But no, that totally makes sense. I love that. Um, I think that, you know, one of the big challenges for you is just the market you're in, you know, cause you can go a, right. a year or two without, uh, any, any real snow activity. And then all of a sudden you get slammed. Like we, how many weeks have we been trying to schedule this, this interview here? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you At least know, we, six. At yeah. Least you've six. been buried. So you just get, you yeah. get whacked and then you, and then you're like, okay, the, the, all the structure that was in place does not apply anymore.
1: Right. Exactly. And especially with manpower too, because we don't have many employees. Everybody's a subcontractor. They all have, have daytime jobs. So, uh, getting reliable help when you can't pay them full-time wages is quite difficult. hmm
0: You mentioned technology. Um, is there something you want to brag about, brag on something that you want to highlight as far as technology something that's really working for you? Hilltip spreaders.
1: They're everything this industry has been missing for the last thirty years.
0: Wow! Tell um, us about that.
1: Oh man, they're they're awesome. Uh, they're an all inclusive uh, spreader and liquid system. Uh, ground speed control. Um, I can sit in my office at my computer or a tablet and change the spread rate on every truck or a single truck. It's geofenced. it's uh, It's it it it's it is the it's what's going to save a lot of companies a lot of money because you know exactly how much each piece of equipment is, is putting out. Um, and it allows you to make those changes in real time, uh, with, and it also allows the operator, you know, in a very, you know, we work in very austere, very difficult situations, whether it's cold or snowing or icy, roads aren't great, uh, lack of sleep. It, it allows the driver just to focus on driving. And Mm -hmm. if, you know, safety isn't our, our, our most important thing, we're doing this wrong. Uh, not only for our, for our operators, but also for our customers, because we're really in risk mitigation. You know, I, 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 I'm not in the snow removal business. I'm in risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, depending on your risk mitigation, I may be the right person, or I may not be the right person for you. Mm -hmm. So, um, it it really does allow, um, the operator just to operate safely and allows me to dictate in real time what we're doing without a phone call, without a text, without checking somebody's gate, whether or not checking to see somebody that, you know, accidentally turned the spreader down or, you know, this guy may know more than me. He's been doing this snow, snow thing for, for however long, and, and they know way more than anybody else. So, they think that the spreader should be set on this one, so uh, Hill Tip allows you to to manage that and control it, and it also gives you the flexibility that if the operator does want to change something, they can. Uh, but you get a notification. So That's cool. Yeah, it, it really is, and they're expensive. Don't get me wrong, they're expensive, but the savings that you you will see. Um, is is greater than 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 going to liquids once again if you're not doing liquids i think you're really missing out on some stuff too because there's some great cost savings there as well so it it really does uh make sure that that you're putting out the the right application the right amount for the for the storm uh and, and in return it 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 helps the environment you know we're not dumping a bunch of chlorides right um on the ground and getting into the groundwater so um once again, if, if you aren't making those uh, adaptations now, uh, the government's going to force you to do it in the future. So we'd rather, we'd rather do it on our own terms and once again, save money, uh, while doing so.
0: Absolutely. Now Hilltip, um, how long, what's been your experience with them? How long have you been working with them? And are you, are you also a re, a dealer for them? Are you selling them?
1: So, so we just got involved with them this season. Okay. Um, and yes, we are becoming a dealer. In fact, uh, this Good Thursday, we're actually having uh, the city of Louisville, uh, the city of Jeffersonville, which is right across the city of Frankfurt. They're all extremely interested, and they're going to come mm-hmm. down and see a demo uh, with, with the, the national sales rep and uh, hopefully learn a lot. And hopefully they're as excited about it as I am yeah, um, because really the great. governmental too – uh, that's where there could be a whole lot of savings because you have so many vehicles operating on so many different routes and you have so many people that that, that the equipment is really dictating how much is going out and it's not the, the operations manager or the, the the supervisor
0: yeah no that's great i'm i'm sure some of our listeners have never even heard of hilltip and so they're they're gonna be uh their website's blowing up right now <laughs> as we speak. Um so thank you for that. Um how do you balance, you know, running four businesses and I I want to hear a little bit about your family. Love to have you tell us about your family. Um but how do you balance just work and personal demands running four businesses?
1: Uh it's difficult, but you know, with two of them being very seasonal, uh it also allows me a lot of free time uh during the non-winter months so i've got an amazing wife who once again I, I on this past friday was the first time that i went home in eight days um you know in six weeks uh i slept at home i think nine times um wow. my my wife is if, if anybody has a more understanding caring wife out there good on you because i I put my wife in in the top one percent of of being supportive of what we do um and and being able to work a full-time job for for a a national uh uh, distributor for liquor and also uh take care of our loving three-year-old son Hmm. um so really i guess what it comes down to is i don't probably manage it well um my wife does (laughs) <laughs> and she's very understanding when I, when I, when I falter with this. Um, but then again, once again, eight months out of the year, I can pretty much do whatever I want. So yeah. there, there are the pluses and, you know, she's from uh, right around Barcelona, Spain. So we spend, we get to spend months uh, over there during the summer. And um, so it's, you know, little, little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, you know, you give a little and you get to take a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, we we were just talking recently about, you know, um, speaking Spanish and, you know, making sure your son has that, uh, um, you know, just that base, right. And having that knowledge of, of the other side of the family, the culture and the language, that's really cool, uh, and, and unique. Um, Okay. Where do we want to go from here? I want to talk about uh, peer group. You've been involved in a peer group for several years uh, with Saima and I've, that's where we've got to know each other as I was facilitating that group. Uh, tell us about that. What was that experience like for you and and what did you get out of that? Would you recommend it? Um, talk to us about that.
1: Uh I I'll be blatant honest. When I when I joined the Sima Peer Groups, I was uh, I was very hesitant and wondering uh, if this really was the right thing for me. And I was blown away uh, with the caliber of uh, of guys that I got to meet, and, and I learned so much from real snow professionals. Once again, we get about twelve inches of snow down here, so you know a lot of places get that Understood. you know in, in in under twelve hours. So the, the tips, the, the technology, the, the systems that I was able to get exposed to um, that I just wouldn't have probably been able to because I just don't have the time or the probably real desire to look into that and, and to search so hard for that. But the, the testing that everybody does, the, the procedures, the, the sales techniques – everything everything out there that these guys were were doing I wanted so so I've loved every minute of it um on the business side and have learned so much um but also I've become great friends with some of these these guys and you know some of them come down to Kentucky during the summer and we hang out and they go to our farm and uh our kids play together and you know we we may not see each other for months but when we do it's like we're old high school buddies you know we we really get along we really enjoy each other's company and um it it may be one of the the best decisions that I have made um in my career for for, for in the snow and ice management world um you know I I think I was probably like a whole lot of guys out there who run their own company we know it all we don't have time for this. We need to focus on operations. We need to focus on sales. We need to focus on hiring the right people. Um, We don't focus on education as much. And the education that I received in that format was just took really, really took me to the next level. And it really allowed me to expand where we were really doing probably 50 to 75 acres of pavement a year to, I think at our peak, we were doing 400 acres. Mm, So, um, without that information without the 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 knowledge that i gained from that that group i i would not have been able to get there and even if with a moderate increase in um uh pavement acres i probably would have failed Mm
0: -hmm. you know that's cool i appreciate all those comments and insight um you know i think that peer groups are they're probably not for everyone but um To me, I look at the snow and ice industry. My at least, but my experience has been like it's one big giant family. Like people, generally, with very few exceptions, are willing to help each other, willing to share what they know. um, You know, to the nth degree, like like very transparent, very open. But the peer group takes it to the next level because you really have, you know, you can develop the relationships, really get to know people on a personal level, and really. People let their guard down, really have no, you know, boundaries about what they're willing to share and be, you know, uh, transparent about. So to me, it's like, it's, it's just the best of the best, but, but there's a big commitment to it and, and it does take time away. And, and so, no, I appreciate all your, um, investment in the group and all the things that you've brought to the group as well. Cause it takes everybody contributing to make a group successful, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. What do you enjoy? You've been in the industry now for a while. um, What do you enjoy most about this industry?
1: Uh, helping people. Um, probably kind of sound weird. Kind of weird, but you know, I enjoy. I enjoy uh, being able to to see uh, a parking lot go from ice covered or snow covered to. to to wet pavement and seeing people get to work to be able to feed their families, to to not have to call in because um, they, they, they can't get in. Uh, You know, I really enjoy saving uh, municipalities and contractors money by, by using uh, our products, you know, rock salt's an antiquated thing in most cases. And uh, until people really understand that they're, they're not going to be getting the great results. So I like that education and seeing those light bulbs go off in somebody's head going, wow, that's why that didn't work. Um, you know, I really enjoy helping the, the people that are just starting out or really trying to grow their business. You know, I've taken a page out of your book of uh, really trying to get, sit down with some of these people and say, Hey, look, I understand this is what you're doing, but let's look at this. and Maybe this will work better. And that's whether it's taking somebody from a, Uh, from doing driveways by hand uh, to a tailgate spreader. And then once they get enough and and it's financially uh, sound to invest in a V box, uh, you know, taking them all the way up that chain and and working Mm -hmm. on, you know, Hey, look, you don't have to take, uh, you know, $50 an hour uh, plowing snow. You're really worth $150 an hour And, and seeing, seeing people go, you know, I never thought that there was really any money in snow and, for them saying that now, now look, I'd be snow than anything else. It's my biggest moneymaker in my business yeah. uh, and making sure that those contracts are correct. And, and then really my, my favorite thing is we employ and um, we, we use a lot of guys that have had a rough past, whether they're addicts or felons or uh, just troubled pasts and, and having the ability to take a risk on somebody and say, look, I understand you have a past. We all have a past, but, Let's let's move forward and let's focus on, on doing the right things and seeing those people grow and seeing them dedicate so much time and effort to to making my business the way, way it is. That's that's the the best part about it for me is, is having people have a second chance and, and really gaining uh, self-worth um, through that because somebody believes in them.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything you're talking about is the kind of the deeper purpose. So, um, you know, the industry business buzzword is mission. Um, but I'm hearing you just talk about a service mission service to others. Yeah. Everything you're talking about and even extending that to your military service. Like, I mean, let's be honest. You've, you've had a life of service and you're and it, and it's the same mission. You're just doing it in a different way. Um, and, and so I just see that when I, you know i look back on your career and the things you've done and i just see that there's a there's a common thread running through it there of service and i think that's really cool and i can hear it in your voice i can hear the passion in your voice um which is just validating um what are you most proud of you've done a lot of things um i know you're you're probably midway in your career maybe you know depending on how many how many years you're going to stay in this but what are you most proud of at this point
1: Oh, Phil, that's a tough one. Um, I, I see more failures than successes. So uh, my guess is I'm, I'm most proud about is is sticking with it and um, trying to, to stay with the, the mindset of, of serving others, uh, regardless of what happens, regardless of how many times you get burnt and, um, and I guess really the other one would be is that our longstanding customers, we still have customers, some of the first customers that, that I ever got back in 97. Uh, in fact, we still have a 15 acre office park that we've had since 97 with no interruptions in service. That's great. Um, we, you know, our, our Humana contract we've had for nine or 10 years and, and they love us. It's, it's, it's those interactions in the, and, and keeping uh, people safe and, and, and happy during, during difficult times is probably what I'm most proud of is, like I said, just, just doing the job and doing the job well. Mm-hmm. Not, not cutting corners, not trying to uh, rake somebody over the coals over uh, one business interaction, but that long-term healthy business relationships. That's probably what I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I think it's insightful. You know, you you said uh, the first thing you said in response to that question was, you know, I see I see failure more failure than success. But most successful people are have history of of having things not work out, right? And and that's what you mm-hmm. do. That's how you learn in business. You try different things, and and there's even there's great value in that, right? To me, that's that's a that's a like an an essential element of success is failure, right? That's right. how you that's how you that's how you become successful is you put yourself out there. You put your you put yourself in a position where you can win, but you you also put yourself in a position where you might not win, and that's okay. Then you learn and you move forward, you know, you move on. So to me, that's just the natural progression and. You know, that just comes with the territory, man. Um, just uh, I know we're getting close on our time here, but I want to hear your thoughts a little bit about the industry, kind of maybe state of the industry or maybe some trends or where do you where do you see the industry today? Where do you see it going? What are your thoughts on on those areas?
1: Uh, just, you know, like how we we talked about the hilltip spreaders, I see uh, technology really, really starting to take its hold. And, and once again, I, I hope that everybody out there really takes a hard look at everything else around you and see what industry around you is still operating like it was 30 years ago. And that bet you probably can't count too That's many. good point. So, so I, I think um, technology uh, is going to play a major, major role in, in making people successful in the future. I think, uh, you know, unmanned vehicles or at least unmanned sidewalks uh, stuff to, to bridge the gap between the labor, uh, issue that we all struggle with. Um, I see chlorides being a, a huge uh, issue in the near future. Uh, I think that, that liquids have got to be a major portion of, of your operations. And if not, once again, you're leaving money on the table, but also you're not doing a, a lot of help for the environment. And once again, either we can do that and we can police ourselves or the government's going to step in and tell us what to do. Like they've, right. you know, they've done in other places. So, um, I think that's what it, what it is, technology and, and, and trying to reduce the chlorides in the environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Um, is there anything else? What didn't we talk about it, that you wanted to mention to our listeners before
1: we sign off? We haven't talked about how amazing you are, Phil, and how much <laughs> you help, you help everybody that you touch, how, how loving and caring you are with all of your customers and the dedication that you put in, but not only this, but the the other businesses that you're involved in and the continual growth that, that you are seeking to, to better our industry. Well, um,
0: I appreciate we, we that. need
1: more people like you. And I'm sure there are other people out there that are, that are like you that are doing, doing the work that you are. I just want to say thank you.
0: Well, thank you for that. Um, I, I share your passion for helping other people and serving and especially at this stage in my career, I just want to give back. I want to make a difference. Um, and that's why we started the, this podcast to, to, try to do something, you know, because in a COVID environment, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to bring people together and just wanted to do something helpful. So no, I just, I share that and I I appreciate those comments. And again, thank you so much for taking time out. I know you're a busy man with a family and four businesses and, you know, six, six weeks of snow and you haven't been home in six weeks and all that. So thank you so much for taking time out for us uh, to share your story. And, and we really appreciate that, Billy.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Phil. And like I said, I really appreciate this and everything that you do. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You as well.
0: Thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions for future guests or topics. Feel free to email me directly at Phil at growthebench dot If you enjoyed this podcast, Become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go for it.